A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelist Presents A Boy Named Khonshu, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the Tin Cannon String, we are joined with the proprietor of the Kinoplex to Robert's Reprieve, Taylor Steakboy Stenhouse. Taylor, good evening. Hello. Thank you for having me. Wow, that's a hell of an intro. Now, I've known Taylor for a number of years, and this is actually one of those shows that I've wanted to do for a while. Not Moon Knight, but having Taylor on a podcast. Mainly for the fact that this is not actually us going to be talking about Moon Knight. We're going to be talking about why the Batmobile is a terrible feature in Arkham Knight. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is going to go for way more than 45 minutes. It probably will. But (laughs) (laughs) this is not what I... I didn't even know Taylor to begin with. Nice to meet you, by the way. Um, Nice to meet you. And now we're going in this direction? So also, (laughs) Taylor is one, I believe, one-third of the KinoCast over on the YouTube machine. Yes. And Taylor, explain yourself. What is the KinoCast about? Explain myself. Okay, so we do a podcast about movies, which is something that's actually never been done before. We're the first ones to do that. Um, And so it's just the three of us. We all have in this Facebook group about movies, and we just talk about new movies every week. uh, It is that simple. It's a good time. Therapeutic, I'm sure, too, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So now speaking of therapy, Moon Knight. Oofa. We go off on, I believe the episode is called The Goldfish Incident? The Goldfish Problem. There we mm. go, that word. And right off the bat, ladies and gentlemen, this was one of those shows I've been waiting almost 11 years for. When I first got into comics, I ended up uh, getting in actually borderline through the uh, podcast Tell Him Steve Dave because there was a story one time that they were talking about a Moon Knight statue on one of the early episodes. And when I had heard about that, in my mind, I'm a big Super Smash Brothers fan, I love playing that game, and there's a character named Meta Knight. In the back of my mind, I'm imagining Moon Knight like a character like Meta Knight. I look at the character, I'm like, that is not at all what I envisioned. But I see these dollar books at the comic shop in Oswego, New York, and they were the original Bill Sienkiewicz, Doug Munch run, or Doug Munch, Doug Mionch. Your prices and participation may vary on the pronunciation of that name, ladies and gentlemen. Could be Minch. That too. Probably that's the correct one. (laughs) But I saw those books, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give this a read. And I fell in love with the character, and... This is where we are now. I believe there. I believe uh, there is a term used for Moon Knight Taylor that we had talked about in the group today. Uh, oh yes, uh, my my. This is my Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> this is this is my Schizo Kino right here. Yeah, so. And that was my introduction to the character Taylor. What was your introduction to Mooney? That's a great question. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think back because he, he definitely – I mean, I got into comics when I was older, about 2014, and it was definitely maybe – it was years years after that. It must have been 2018 or 19. It was a few years ago, but he's definitely one of the one of the big characters I've dived so hard into. Um, I, I want to say the Ellis run was the first run that I read, and then I think from there I went back to read the Houston run – and then the Lemire run after that. I think it's when the the Bemis run was actually starting, maybe in the months before that. I was like, oh, this seems cool. I'll get into this. And then that run ended up not being very good, but that's fine because I got into the character anyways. I remember uh, that character came in. Yeah. The, the Bendis run was 2011, and I remember when everyone was talking about that run, they were like, oh, the Ooh. run is... It's not that good, but I remember liking it on my initial read-through, and then maybe a year or two back, I want to say during the beginning of the pandemic, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a read. I, I didn't get through. Yeah. So it's, it's like one of those, like, looking back in hindsight, I'm like, man, you know, it's it's whatever. I like Bendis. Yeah. Bendis can get a bad rap from the uh, the fanboy community, but eh. Yeah. And Eddie, he's, he's definitely hit or miss for me. I've never actually read the Bendis run. I have stayed away from that one. It's okay, for what it is, it's accomplishing yeah. something, and it works. And it kind of makes me yeah. laugh because that run and the Lemire run are getting reprinted currently at Marvel, while the mm. Warren Ellis run is out of print. And it's 
you know why. If you're a hardcore comic fan, just look up Warren Ellis online. You'll know why. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense, although it made me laugh during the thank yous at the end of the episode. Warren's name was not included, but Declan was. And also Max Bemis huh. was, like, snubbed. Come on. Friend of the show, Max Bemis. <laughs> but, Eddie, yourself? My introduction to Moon Knight, I do remember getting that first issue when it was, what, 1980? Yes. I think it was 1980. But then I said, well, wait, why would I have just... And then I remember, oh, wait, even before that, I remember in the black, they were black and white before they went all color or Rampage part of the Hulk. run. The Rampage, the the yeah, the magazine-sized Hulk. That's where I first encountered Moon Knight, yeah. And it's fun to see because when you read those early issues, I love looking at uh, different, you know, modern comic fans. Like if you go on Reddit in the comic book subreddit, there'll be a discussion of which comics do you recommend uh, to read? And always the 70s and 80s stuff gets snubbed because it's an old yeah. comic. Like, bullshit. It's still a good comic book. You can still yeah. read it. Yes, it's exposition heavy. But it gave you the bare roots of what it is and makes it into what you enjoy. And in turn, you're telling people you don't don't read it because it's old. Congrats, you just missed out on Amazing Bill Sienkiewicz art where he evolves from a yeah. Neil Adams clone all the way into whatever the hell he is. And God bless him for it. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> Perfectly yeah, I, I, uh, sorry, I, um, I, I have that problem with older comics where I have that because I didn't get into comics until I was such an adult. So I'm just like, okay, the modern stuff because the art looks fine. Yeah. And I, I have such a hard time, uh, not even getting into them because of what they are, just like getting myself to get into them because I still have that stupid subconscious mental block of like, well, it's old and I don't like the art, so I can't read it. And I need to get past that one day. I know that they just did an omnibus of those older runs. So yeah. I plan on buying that and trying to go through it. Although for me, one I know um, I had the same kind of thing with the Fantastic Four, the Jack Kirby and Stan Lee run, and you, once you get past like I want to say like the first nineteen or twenty ish issues, maybe it's into the thirties at least, that's where it goes rock and rolling. But yes, that whole element of the older kind of feel to it, very yeah. exposition heavy, super clunky. Right. Meanwhile, X Men was kind of the same thing for me back in the day, and then many rereads through, I'm like, oh, wow, I can breeze through the Claremont stuff. Yeah. So, again, prices and participation may vary. I did have a similar um, uh, consciousness about that, perhaps. Consciousness. With, uh, with, like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> uh, with, with, some, with Kirby artwork, and I was like, that looked kind of, I, I wasn't sure what to make of it, and it didn't really appeal to me, but then eventually I came to appreciate better. Yeah. The, so I get that. You end up appreciating the bombasticness of mm -hmm. Kirby. And it's funny because, like, so many creators who go on to create their own unique styles, like, Bill Sienkiewicz was a Neil Adams clone. Barry Windsor Smith was a Jack Kirby clone. And then you look at their later work, and it's, holy shit. Like, what did they do? Like, I'm looking through uh, right now a, tr a hardcover of uh, X-Men Life Death, and it's like a compilation of all of Barry Windsor Smith's stuff. It's gorgeous. It's got Life mm. Death 1, Life Death 2. Appropriate title, I know. And all these different things, and it's, <laughs> it's a nice, you know, you don't expect this to be this guy, but it is. So it's cool to see, again, Sinkevich get an evolution of his style and I feel like in this show you're getting representations of every single version of Moon Knight and mm. one thing later on in the episode it's kind of a spoiler but I thought it was funny that the Max Bemis run did not get acknowledged in the credits and yet there's a part where you see uh, quote unquote Stephen Grant with blood on his fist in a fighting pose that is literally, you know, without the costume, one of those uh, Max Bemis covers. Obviously, Bemis didn't mm. do the art, but it is one of those issues. And it's like, mm. they pulled that from there. It's a reference to that, yeah. kind of, loosely. But it right. is. If you're familiar with, with all that, and that's that's great. But we haven't yet, with this first episode, gotten into all the personas yet. Exactly. and At least not uh, outwardly so. We might have inklings of, well, it could be more than just two we're dealing with. But, you know, not again, not yet. And I got to say, like I said, they knocked it out of the park with this first episode, just mm. right off the bat. And I I did go in very apprehensively because I was looking at the, you know, I can be swayed by the Rotten Tomato score, ladies and gentlemen. And when I saw it at 73%, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Not a, not a better, a bigger enough number for you? It's, it's fine. But it was like literally what Eternals was at one point and then you see it go higher and higher I'm like oh thank god it's 83 we're good we're good <laughs> yeah yeah I was um 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is definitely, like, this is a big character for me. This is one I, like, got drawn to really uh, strongly. And the interesting thing about him and, and something that I thought was so interesting getting into him, every run is, for the most part, pretty radically different. And between runs, you can take or leave like defining character elements of him. Like there's so many different interpretations. Uh, you know, is he actually mentally ill? Are they just different identities? Are they just, uh, you know, is Kanchi real, is Kanchi not real, all this stuff. And so that's what I think makes it such an interesting thing to adapt uh, because there's so much to, to pull from and to choose. And I think it'd be not that it's an easy character to adapt. It's not, but I think you'd have to really screw, like you'd have to really, really try to screw up, being true to the character in some way, shape, or form, because there's so many different versions you can be true to. Well, from the beginning, too, I was just thinking of, of course, we're thinking of different iterations and versions and so on, but where was it in the discussion, do we know, that it become where our main character here is English and he's in London as opposed to any place else? I think it was a character, or, a, you know, acting decision on Oscar Isaac's part as he, you know, just watched a bunch of mm -hmm. Neil Gaiman interviews and he okay. did his voice the entire time. Yeah, it, I actually, uh, the direct the showrunner did a Q&A, um, what was it, yesterday, I think, and that's one of the things he asked, and he did say it was, uh, the accent wasn't uh, Oscar Isaac's decision, but something he wanted to do on set. And along with that, too, maybe I hadn't noticed it in any other Disney Plus show before, but I saw that he was, Oscar Isaac was one of at least three executive producers. Kind of reminds me of The Rock with uh, Seven Bucks production, where everything he does, he's the producer, or now, you know, John Cena does the same thing with Peacemaker, it's... If you are a big enough deal, you can be the producer on your own product. Side uh, side note, did Peter, did you see Peacemaker at Big Apple Comic Con? No, I didn't. Yeah, there was a Peacemaker there. Oh. I got his picture. I'll show you. Yeah, that's cool. I'm sure you'll know. No, no eagle on his shoulder or anything. Uh, no eagle. No, um, oh. yeah, no eagle. Was vigilante and his chainsaw there at least? Uh, no vigilante. No chainsaw either. Evidently. I didn't even. I didn't even ask. Um, but but I saw what was different, too, also when you first open up and to look at the first episode, that you get a little synopsis of what the show is. That is, mild-mannered Stephen Grant has disassociative identity disorder and shares a body with a mercenary. But then you get a synopsis of the episode itself. Similar, where it says Stephen Grant learns that he may be a superhero, but they also share a body with a ruthless mercenary. And cue Bob Dylan. I think we're coming into that early part now. And we get Ethan Hawke, who, yeah. man, he sure did uh, some great I, scales on on his arm there. Scales I just thought, of justice. I thought it was really funny after you know the uh, years of knocking Marvel. Hey, Ethan, but <laughs> which is fine. It's you know, if you can be brought in with the right thing, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, honestly, Scorsese would do a Marvel product if it appealed to him and if it, if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. So. so what's the sense, of though, of Ethan Hawke's character having this drink, breaking the glass, of course, in a towel? Mazel tov! And oh, then putting the, shards into, <laughs> putting the shards into his shoe sandals and then uh, putting on the sandals and walking. Um, he's going to need that cane, too, but, but, but I don't know. No pain, no gain? What's the sense of that? Well, it's a David Koresh kind of character, you know, and when I heard that was, you know, the inspiration for the character, it makes perfect sense. And as, if, as far as I can tell, Taylor, this is an original character for the show, correct? It is, yeah. It, so Arthur Harrow is a name that's been used in in classic older Moon Knight comics, um, and and I don't want to say something that's completely incorrect. I don't think he showed up. I know he didn't show up much. I can't remember if it was just one one appearance, one issue, or not. But this character is only resembling to him, at least so far, I think, in name only. Um, it is otherwise an original character they created. Something interesting the showrunner said the other day was um, why he was asked why they created an original character instead of using one of his like actual villains, like, uh, uh, shoot, I'm stupid, Bushman? Bushmaster, yes. one of the two, right? Is it Bushman? Uh, I think Bush it's Bushman, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm always weird blanking on that. But um, he said that uh, he felt like Bushman would have felt too similar to MCU Killmonger, so they wanted to create something completely different and just, you know, draw little, little bits and pieces, I guess, from Moon Knight's lore, uh, but otherwise creating something different. And so far, I mean, it, yeah, we'll see where it goes, but so far it feels like he fits in pretty nicely. I'm wondering, is this going to be a character, first off, is this going to be a villain that actually lasts the entire time, or is he going to get killed yeah. off in the final episode and we never see him again in typical MCU yeah. fashion? And 
I wouldn't say he's up there right now, but so far so good with the character in terms of his motivation, his attitude, and just overall ominousnessnessnessness. You know? Yeah. Well, speaking yeah, of definitely. what uh, what fits in, of course, and you know, things are done with, of course, the intention, and you know what's going to happen. And now we have uh, him waking up, Stephen. That is to Engelbert Humperdinck, and I knew this, and I said, "Wait a minute, I know this song." And wow, what a find that was! The lyrics fit, and it's just a perfect match. I had to look that up, of course. So, Nin- nineteen sixty eight <laughs> is the year for for Engelbert. So I walked into the studio today, and I go over to the uh, you know switchboard to see if Taylor is calling. And as I look up, I just see Engelbert Humperdinck on YouTube. Eddie had been playing it for himself earlier, and I burst out <laughs> laughing. I'm like, yes, because I had actually – my mom had watched the episode. And she, first off, she loved it as well. So when you're getting a 67-year-old woman going on saying, I like this Moon Knight fellow, you know, it, it shows the crossover appeal of these characters, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. But she's watching, and she goes – I know that song, Engelbert Humperdinck. And then she looked it up. She goes, see, I was right. Your mother's not stupid. I'm like, that's fantastic, Mom. Great to hear. But <laughs> <laughs> just the idea of the this kind of music being incorporated in an MCU project, this also, I believe, is being uh, produced by the one responsible for Umbrella Academy as well, correct? Yeah. Um, uh, so let's see. The showrunner did the pilot for Umbrella Academy. That's as far as I know about that. And you know with Umbrella Academy, music is a very key component of the show. So being able right. to utilize stuff like Bob Dylan's song, Wham's uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go, yeah. Go and Song by Engel- Engelbert Humperdinck. I love seeing, because I don't remember the name. I, I'm, I'm like the goldfish that we'll be dealing with later. Oh but A man without love. N- no, Eddie, I have a girlfriend. Taylor, thank you, Eddie. pity me. <laughs> we... Moving right along. Well, he already deals with me in the group, so as is. <laughs> yeah, so another, oh, yeah. Another aspect. Sure. Mm-hmm. Somehow I'll find a way to shoehorn uh, the Zapruder film in here. But, <laughs> <laughs> ah, so Eddie, what's next? Well, I don't, you know, at the beginning understand why he's he's shackled himself to the bed, at least at the ankles, and then also I think what sand at the foot of the bed, which I thought a little later, oh, maybe he's going to see if he actually disturbs the sand by getting out and doesn't remember that he walked off out of there in a sleepwalk or something but probably a sleepwalking kind of technique. maybe he does know that um something's not right with himself or, or maybe he's into one at least one fourth of bdsm so there's something to affect that i don't know i don't know uh so i think we're up to now feeding that one finned fish and talking to his mom on the phone and again i love the usage somebody in uh, the kinoplex had mentioned the the part of he used in it so we're off to we're off to a good start i missed that yeah he said in it <laughs> Swing and a miss, Peter. I think I okay, fine. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. I don't know if you have more to add to that. No, but, not uh, really. Like m- many things in my life. Well, we're finding out about this character that he works at a museum, and wouldn't you know, they have an e- Egyptian display going on, and uh, how it looks like he may have set himself up for a date with a coworker, and he's not remembering this. Yeah, uh, you know. That part is super interesting to me because it's it's that's what I can never get quite a read on because I mean it seems like I mean well Stephen and Mark are obviously completely different have different lives here so Stephen doesn't remember asking the coworker out does he literally just not remember because it seemed, to me it would seem like okay another personality did that but like why would Mark, did Mark pretend to be Steven to go to the museum? I mean, he'd have a different accent. It'd, it'd yeah. be different. So I, I don't know. I'm just very curious as to how that actually works, how that happens. Yeah, and then just following that, of course, his supervisor saying, you're going to a steakhouse, you're a vegan. How are you going to, you know, I'll, I'll have salad, I'll have bread. You know. Right. What, what I just yeah. tried to cover up there. But, you know, you, you kind of get a sense, though, he does know some stuff that is his... Egyptian lore and so on, because he's saying there's a major blunder on this ancient Egyptian poster. There's supposed to be nine, but there's only six here or seven and whatever, and he's not auditioning to be a tour guide, although he very well could be, it sounds like. Right. And uh, and I think next we, we go to him talking to a, a gold foil statue with hair. Now, that was Crawley. I, that okay, was, was actually confirmed that. in the credit. I love that. Like, I feel like that's the perfect way to utilize Crawley in the show because yeah. going through the uh, original run, 
Crawley is such a corny character, and it's just <laughs> it doesn't work with the overall dynamic of you know the spoopiness of what Moon Knight can be, and right. it's just like this bumbling guy who's stinky and has a tea bag. And I'm now, not referring I to any am... Halo players. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I'm not referring to any Halo players out there. Stinky with a tea bag. Wow. But <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I am eternally stupid. But actually, I'll blame this one on just waking up uh, early in the morning to watch the episode. So still being tired. Uh, I saw that scene, and like you know, the couple walks up to him, asks him to take a picture with the statue with with the golden guy, and then he's like, uh, Stephen says like, you know, are you going to tip him? And I was so confused because I really thought it was a statue. And I'm like, well, why is he asking? Like, okay, he could just be insane. I don't know why he's asking them to tip a statue, but then why are they acting like that's a normal thing and not like, you, what are you doing, you weirdo? And then it took me like 10 more seconds to go, oh, that's a, that's a guy. That's a street performer. Uh, so that was my stupid moment for I, this episode. I just real wait. That, so this entire time, I've been led to believe that was a statue. So, so you know what? Me too. I didn't <laughs> no, it's a person. And that's why when you said the credits part, I'm like, oh, cool. They credited a statue. That's nice, Taylor. But <laughs> wow, oh, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Yeah, I kind of went with that too. I just like, all right, we, we passed that. Now that's why it, it threw me off with the hair part. And I have seen going to Salem on occasion, um, somebody who is in copper-looking paint or, you know, bronzy-type thing, and they, they're perfectly yeah. still. And it's like, holy cow, they're, it's a new thing, I guess, for ways creative ways to uh, to make money and, and uh, yeah. impress people or something. Eddie, do you want to get, you know, paint and go to uh, Times Square? Uh, no, that's all locked up by, I think, the Naked Cowboys. I mean, you can compete with, you know, Stinky, uh, uh, Minnie Mouse, and uh, Elmo. No. You no, sure? I am positive. Thank you for the offer, though. I actually learned a fun fact about that area in Times Square. If you're within a certain radius, you're not allowed to uh, charge money for photos. You're not? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's a weird little uh, thing about the New uh, Times Square area. And then, huh. you know, that's the end of that anecdote. Welcome to Staying <laughs> Awake. Any story with me? Puzzles. Read a book. Things that keep your mind active. So why was he trying to stay up, Eddie? I, just, and then he proceeded to fall asleep. I guess so, and then woke up outside, face down in the grass. Yeah, that was a cool. I don't know. I really like that. I like that segment. I like the because at first I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to how do I verbalize this? At first I'm that's not really a trope I'd be into. Like, okay, he's just in this random little place. But as we spent more time in that village, I was like, no, he really did just wake up in this, like, weird little cult village. And I don't know. That just seems really cool to me. I was just really into that. I Okay, here's what it was. I think I was watching the trailer, and I was expecting that scene with, you know, Ethan Hawke in the square to just be something in London that I guess he walks up to. And I was like, I don't know. That seems kind of a hammy way for this villain to be introduced. It's just some, like, I don't, you know, weird street guy. Mm-hmm. prophesizing from the street or whatever but then finding out it was just this weird little village that he I don't know it felt like a Resident Evil moment or something where all of a sudden without his knowledge he was in a weird cult town in the middle of nowhere I love that little and there was some like I don't know what it was because maybe it was just me but I felt like a dreamlike quality to that whole sequence maybe it was just kind of the absurdity of what was happening but I don't know it sold for me I liked it well because that's the only thing that might actually make any kind of sense because he just transitioned drastically from one thing to another so maybe it's a dream right. he's getting shot at why we don't know until we get to ethan Hawke's character and i guess they're with him and and or these other the shooters are thinking what that he's mark specter perhaps eddie i don't know why but you saying shot at was a perfect pronunciation of it i love that what just made my day you what said shot at shot at shot at okay anywho <laughs> This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing. 
not a topping of your choice, or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. But the, And then the voice that starts talking to him, give up the body to Mark. Who is? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, my F. God. Who is, con- who is what? F. Murray Abraham. Thank F. you. F. Murray what? Abraham. That's it. That's, that's, Are you serious? That's the, that was in the yeah. credits. It was Moses from Muppets in Space? If that's who it was. But that's... he really, and he was also hung in uh, Scarface. <laughs> okay. But f- for real. Uh, in the credit, F. Voice of F. Conchu, F. Murray Abraham. Yep. F. Murray Abraham's actually a family friend, legitimately. No like, way. I'm, I'm not kidding. He, uh, that's to, insane. He uh, used to, my mom used to work at a DMV in the area, and he would come through. He actually gave us like a bunch of uh, autographed stuff, including like Amadeus uh, 8x10s. Huh. That oh, is, I so had cool. no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to text my mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then our introduction to the goddess who's going to pass judgment, who, you know, the, that Ethan Hawke's character is the um, primary, um, I don't know, conduit, let's say. And he's not the only one who's got the scales of justice on his arm. We see some others in this uh, in this circle, I guess, as well. Or if not there, then a little bit a little bit later. And the whole idea of returning the scarab, which we don't, I don't think we know right away how how Stephen acquired this scarab to begin with. Is that right? No, I don't think so. Well, obviously, you know, we're going to learn down the line in yep. like a future episode, yeah. but... He's not stealing so, from the job, so, I hope, though, or, just, or the exhibition, so, you know. Some, something interesting to me about uh, Ethan Hawke's character, about Arthur Harrow here, is that, like, so the first trailer jobs, right? And there were some, like, you know, he, he did the interview where he was talking about taking um, inspiration for his performance from a cult leader. And so you already kind of had some seats planned. And the first trailer dropped, and I'm like, oh, that's Sun King. They really are. They're doing Sun King. They're doing Sun King from the Bemis run. And uh, then it's like, no, this is he's named Arthur Harrow. He's a different guy. But there's still so much like I feel like draw from there. Like the look is pretty similar. And obviously he's he deals different and he's worshiping a different Egyptian Egyptian God. But it's still the thing of like, you know, here's kind of an original creation. We're tying it back to Egypt. And he's, you know, weird and culty. So there's it still feels very familiar to to Sun King to me. Uh, real quick, in a minor update pertaining to the situation between my mom and F. Marie Abraham, she texted back, my buddy. So just wanted to <laughs> throw that out there. That's funny. I, you know, this is a sort of a throwback, too, because I recognize the technique that was used in the production of transitioning from one thing or passing through time, perhaps, where he Stephen wakes up sort of and is like, what happened? What I do? Kind of thing. And It juts. I love that. I don't know that. if it's jutting. I don't know if it's what, what it's called. And I can't remember where. I know I've seen it somewhere else. Quantum Leap. Maybe this is no, a proto film. No, no, it's a long time. Muppets they, from they, space. They don't. Need, they wouldn't have had that that ability. I don't think, if you will. Muppets from space. That was 1999. They had Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan is a bad guy. He was with Bobo the Bear. I love Bobo the Bear. Wake he was me one up. of those later Muppets that you know just people like slept on. But he was a great character. Well, he's driving in this cupcake. Who is bloody cupcake who's, van? Wait, who is driving? Bear is driving. How can that be? Uh, exactly. You're going to have long legs for that. Yeah. Driving away. You got some to, dancer's legs, Eddie. I got to give you that. Yeah, to, to wham, wake me up before you go, go. Another quality selection. No, I mean that in a positive way. Wait, you want me to that wake was, you up before you go, go? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the disbelief. like a yo yo. But the disbelief I have to suspend when, when it gets to the part where he's driving backwards for a little stretch of time there. And the roads? Oh, man. The roads? Oh, yeah. Yeah. From a uh, one of the things I've noticed with this show, and just a lot of stuff that's been filmed during the pandemic, this is one of those. It reminded me of Shang Chi. You have bus scenes, you have car scenes, you have scenes not really utilizing too many people. Mind you, there is the scene with the cult leader, with you know a crowd of people, but that was probably mm-hmm. you know taken care of specifically, safely, etc. But a lot of these scenes are a character by themselves or with two or three other characters. And you can tell where or when these scenes have been taking place, when they were filmed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Shang-Chi, the opening scene. Spoilers for people that have not seen that movie. <laughs> but you see uh, Shang-Chi's father fighting his mother, and it's literally in a spot where it's all green screen, and you can tell it's literally just a closed-off little set that you know they right. have to do social distancing, social everything, and it makes perfect sense. But bus scenes are going to be the new thing in the MCU during the <laughs> pandemic era. Or continue to be, yeah. I think yeah. so. Right, it's, right. They're, they're the new hallway fights. Mm. Well. Uh, I enjoyed um, uh, I enjoyed the level of 
kind of brutality was was in this episode. It's still relative. You know, it's not anything like Daredevil. The showrunner, I think, in fact, said it was somewhere kind of in an in-between, between, like, Daredevil stuff and regular Marvel stuff. But, like, the, the shot where Steven wakes up as Mark in the village shortly before the driving scene and his hand is just covered in blood and there's bodies around him. I'm assuming those people are unconscious because he didn't have a gun, but still it's kind of a, kind of a gnarly scene. And then the, the kind of okay, not greatish, but I don't care that much. CGI logs coming down and just crushing those guys during the, you know, the guy falling out of the back of the van in the car scene. I, oh. I, I liked that level of brutality. It definitely satisfied me. Well, it's, the- it's oddly comedic. Yeah, it is. The, 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 you touched right there, Tara, on something that I thought of, too. When he woke up in the village, the first thing I think I did see, maybe second to the bloody hand, was uh, blood in his mouth, sort of, on his teeth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Said something happened. There's been a fight. He, you know, this is our first transition into, I don't know what the hell went happened here. But what we, yeah. we wind up then going next to, if I can, is being awake in bed, shackled again. And was it duct tape that he had on his door frame that he took down and rolled into a ball and piled into the yeah. garbage, a bunch of those? I don't know what the symbol symbolism might have been to that, but give a hoot. Don't it pollute. was a, um, like, if he, uh, if he had opened the door while sleepwalking, the tape should have been broken. That was the, okay. uh, I think, what they were going for there, which I guess, which is, I think says a lot, is interesting, because that means, you know, Mark or, or whatever is aware of steven he's like trying to leave steven in his life when he wakes up or something and he's covering the tracks of like mm-hmm. i guess i can't let this other personality know i exist right now he's putting the tape back on the doors and reshackling himself and all this stuff it's very interesting yep. now while we're talking about the various personas of all of these this character i, I can't you know nail it down to one who do you guys think is going to be the one that is introduced two main regular Marvel characters first and foremost. Because I love that, by the way, mm. that they had to they had to state this. This show is a part of the MCU. Golly, I, do, I could not tell whatsoever. <laughs> Especially being a part of, you know, Kevin Feige's, uh, you know, uh, Macy's right. Thanksgiving Day Parade presentation of, here comes Moon Knight, yes, Moon Knight, the character who's crazy. And right behind him, it's Big Bird from the Children's Television Workshop. It's like... <laughs> That's how he announces things. One of these characters has cut somebody's faces off, but we're not going to tell you who. (laughs) And now coming off a a performance from the new Michael Jackson musical, On a Float. (laughs) But, like, I don't know who could be the one. I think, like, if you introduce a character, we haven't seen it yet, but I think Jake Lockie is going to be the one that is somehow first introduced with another character on the side. That's who I missed was Jake. I was thinking of uh, Frenchie. Mm. Ah, forget Forget it, Jake. That's right, Jake. It's Eddie Town. (laughs) <laughs> and we did, we did get a, I don't know if you guys caught it, but we did get a Frenchie cameo yep. um, in his, in his phone, which is, uh, sorry, I keep, keep bringing this up, but I love this little Q&A the showrunner did. And one of the things he was asked about the supporting cast and he said, uh, you'll see why, but we just didn't really have room for them in this show, frankly. And so it's interesting to me because it seems like, so I, it, he made it sound like there'd be some cameos and stuff and I, or Easter eggs. And I thought that's what all, all it would be, you know, Easter eggs that don't point to actual characters existing in this universe. And, but the implication, despite them assumedly not having him show up, the implication is still like, you know, Frenchie exists in Mark's world in his mythos here. Um, so where we did... may not see him, but he's out there. Very interesting. And, and what point did you say, Taylor? I'm sorry, where we got on, the Frenchie cameo part? on the phone when he's looking oh, through the phone. names? Yeah, sorry, oh, sorry. I didn't explain that super well. When he opened up the phone with the contact yep. and was looking at all the missed calls, one yep. of the names was Frenchie, one of the calls. I'm, uh, I saw, or, but you no, know, see... champ. And when, That's what I saw. Okay, and then I yeah. then of course everything else was was Layla. When he opens the uh, Motorola yeah, Razr right. V three M, one of the things about and I because I was my phone that was my first ever cell phone or two thousand seven, <laughs> but I digress. But when that scene was happening, you know my uh, my mother friend of F Murray Abraham, she's you know watching that in the background, and I you know tell her I'm like, hey, can you pause that for a second? And she goes, why? Because I I know exactly what scene she's on, and yeah. I tell her I'm like. Because she's read some of the uh, classic Moon Knight. I go, you know, uh, Frenchie, right? And she goes, yeah. You know Duchamp that was listed on there? Yeah, that's him. She goes, oh, shit, you're right. So. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I missed the last name, so, yeah. Melnick, my mother's, na- my I mother's knew last I should name have... is Melnick. Oh, I don't even know that he had an energy drink to begin here, Taylor. I really, I really, he just stole. <laughs> it was a bang, really pop. I think what happened is as soon as I said F. Murray Abraham, that was it. Bang, zoom. He went to, to the moon. <laughs> Alice. set him off. Yeah, that's that's got to be exactly what it was. Probably. Meanwhile, Stephen wonders, I wonder what fish dream of. 
apparently about growing another fin because it happened. After the steak date, that was uh, two days late. It's Sunday. Are you just rhyming now? Are you trying to turn into Broadway Bill Lee? It's happening. (laughs) they got to stand now, Eddie. Okay, sure. Do do, do I have to do some jazz hands now, too? One thing I just wanted to point out, Eddie will sit for a podcast but stand for radio, and it's kind of a cool counterbalance of who Eddie is. It's the the duality of Eddie. In a different context. Duality of Eddie. Yeah. It's not live in the moment when it's a podcast. Plus, I want to be a little more. I don't. I'm sorry Relaxed. to say this. Eye to eye, because <laughs> Peter's sitting the whole time. I, mean, I could have. <laughs> I could have stood the entire time. We got to do that one day. I want to do a standing the, podcast. If the chair is missing. You'll have to stand. That's right. Probably because the microphone won't make it to the floor. That is true. That's very true. <laughs> Eddie's got his hand <laughs> on his forehead, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to distract my gaze now to where my notes are. Oh. <sighs> So I guess it's under the premise that Stephen does have the steak. Why not? Mm. Give me your best cut of meat. There we go. And I the... love I love him describing the uh, give me give me give me the best cut. Uh, give me very good. Yeah, well done. That's it. Yeah. I'm almost. I've seen people complain about so many other silly things. I'm almost surprised. I've never seen or haven't yet seen anyone on Twitter whining about how quickly he broke from being a vegan to just eat a steak when he was sad. Because I kind of expect that almost, but it was funny. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And then we have... Well, I mean, they might complain about it over on Cosmic Book News. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's where it'll be. And apparently there must have been a, a gift box of chocolates involved, too, because he decides to have that, gives a little bit to the fish with the sprinkles, drops some chocolates, and then finds a, 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 a shifted, I guess, plank in the, in the wall. And here we go, find a, a key... With this phone that we mentioned, the Motorola version model that Peter... Razer V3M, R-A-Z-R. 2007 or whatever. Man, it's going to make cosplay really great. Yeah. And who keeps calling out Steven in, the, in, in, his, in his place? You know, It's F. Murray Abraham, Eddie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got to be. Right. No, exactly. I don't think it is. But you know what I thought was a flaw, perhaps, although it worked for the show, was that with the power flickering, the light flickering and all, I think using an elevator with the power is not a good idea. A solid point. Yes. <laughs> But on the fifth, but on the fifth floor, we still are, and and then then we're on the bus, and we're having right. visions, we're having sightings of Kanchu or something. And I will say, I love how Kanchu looks in the show. Like that is perfect. He looks gross and weird, and I love it. That's a good way to say it. gross and weird because I can't quite place any kind of a face except the long beak-like thing and <laughs> the the staff with the with the moon sliver on it, kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and then, th- then getting to uh, saying that this female god was it Ahmed or Amid is, um, is Ahmed, maybe right. the first uh... Ahmed Johnson, yes, former WWF Intercontinental Champion yeah. Ahmed Johnson, <laughs> the, the original or the, the Pearl River Powerhouse, character. and how Ethan Hawke's character is telling um, Stephen, "There's chaos in you." Mm. He's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Cut to uh, the museum at night, lights out, and this whole creature, because we're getting towards the end now, I believe. Uh, and then the whole, it was a great sequence, I think, with Stephen and all the mirrors and the mirror image. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Let, let me save us. And the creature gets a whooping. A whooping or a whooping, Eddie? Well, whatever it takes. <laughs> Thank you, Captain America. I appreciate that. Thank you. There's there's a piece of me that's, like, definitely kind of disappointed. Because, like, as we were going into that scene, I was calling it, like, oh, that like that shot of Moon Knight in the bathroom's in the trailer. He's going to walk with the camera episode's going to cut. And so there's a piece of me that's disappointed that we didn't actually get more than that, that it was just a shot from the trailer that we got to see, but that's, that's going to go away. Like, that's just me being impatient and really wanting to see him in the costume. It, it was, uh, I think, a very good way to end the episode still. I liked it. Yeah, same. Well, part of the trailer, too, I think, had him being enveloped in the, in the I'm going to say, tendrils right. of the costume. You saw that in full more in the trailer than you did in this episode. Yeah. And he was starting yeah. to get enveloped, and the creature descended upon him or whatever. And the shot yeah. of him in the bathroom, wasn't that the one, uh, Taylor, that was leaked online that was, like, the uh, yeah. sh- crappy cell phone photo? But, like, you yeah. could tell it was. I'm like, I remember when that costume was first, you know, leaked online. So yeah. many people were going on saying, oh, that's terrible, because, you know, it's the Internet, and we have to complain about everything. Yeah. But, right. you know, I saw it, I'm like, it's kind of cool. Looking. Yeah. Like, I, I like it. I like that it's layered. Like, there's just yeah. something about, it's got mm-hmm. a texture to it compared to... The mummy. Know, it's it's not yeah. like a regular MCU costume, where it's like everything no. is like the, the slick leather, or it's like, you know, the... Yeah. The, um... Uh, Kevlar. It's like everything yeah. is the same friggin' costume, and I appreciate yeah. a change. And it's definitely not they a Venom didn't... thing. 
stop that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't make it clean and slick or like tactical. They made it like kind of, you know, what's what's the right word here? I don't know, kind of like gross and dirty. And, and there's a lot like kind of, you know, it looks very Egyptian and stuff. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I like it quite a bit. I think it's going to be tough to keep this thing clean, so they're going to keep it in a grayish uh, way of or something point like that. Out. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to see Moon Night in the daytime? I'm not sure about that. Moon daytime. Moon, yeah, Moon Day. Whatever. I don't know. we got a lot of Moon. we got some Moon Dance. we got Moon Dog. You know. Now, where are we at in the episode again, Eddie? That's it. So one thing, when he's fighting that monster at the very end of the episode, I thought he was fighting Werewolf by Night, Jack that's, Russell. That's the trailer. That's mm. the tra- trailer talking because that's all we knew from in the no, beginning. No, but even in the, like, and but I'm even still in this, you think it. it's still possibly uh, that's who it could be? Well, we don't. no, because he kicked his ass really good. <laughs> yeah, we don't get to see that much. So, but when the reveal of the costume happened, that was. Yeah, bonkers. To, to quote Marvin yeah. Schwarz from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, "What a picture!" It was one what of those one of those moments where I'm just I'm seeing that and I'm like, I got I genuinely had goosebumps watching it. I'm just like, it's finally happening, and it's not like one of those you guys, my character Moon Knight. No, it was like they did him justice. Yeah. They made it yeah. like they this entire episode. I can't stand it. Over the past few years, he's Marvel's Batman. Over yeah, yeah. and over. It's the most obnoxious line. And it's yeah. like, no, he's yeah. not Marvel's Batman. He's he's Marvel's Moon Knight because he's Marvel's Moon yeah. Knight. And you can't, like, we get it. He has a cowl and he's at nighttime. Golly gee, it's the same villain. You know, I, I love uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird's Batman the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Just because it's got that semi-similar thing. Yep. If anything... Yeah. Marvel's Batman is Daredevil, just he's got Catholic guilt. So yeah, it's yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I do think that's a pretty stupid comparison. And I, I'm sorry to go off track for one second, but I just remembered my actual first exposure to Moon Knight, what, what actually made me interested in him. And I finally, I think I've nailed down a time frame. It's 2016, and I was playing Spider-Man Web of Shadows for the first time. Which is an underrated uh, the, game, by the way. It's an underrated game. It's good. And it has, like, Moon Knight for some reason in, in kind of a role in that game. And I had never heard of him before that. And after that, I was like, all right, I got to figure out what this guy is because this is cool. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was my first experience. That's kind of got me into it. Don't worry at all, Taylor, about the tangent because it happens several times through each and every episode. <laughs> oh, so many. <laughs> You're in familiar territory. But <laughs> good. Mine also kind of was uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance uh, back in 2006, mm. 2007. And, and of course, this is territory I have no idea about. You're fine, so. Eddie. You're fine. But <laughs> this, is, this is where a lot of people got exposure to Deadpool, first and foremost, too. And, huh. you know, seeing these characters. And it's funny because on a recent episode, we had Yuri Lowenthal, the voice of Spider-Man on PS4 and PS5. Yeah. And he, you know, remarked to us he would love to play Moon Knight. And, you know, I could maybe see that, but the comment we were having a discussion of with him was Nightwing. Ooh, yeah. Yuri Lowenthal would make a very good Nightwing, but that's a topic for an episode for another day. But I agree. Man, just that experience of seeing him come turn around and just be that ominous figure. I also had the same goosebumps when you see Khonshu for the first time through the scene of the elevator. There's it's a really well executed scene. It's it's pretty spooky. It's good. They are off to a really good start with this show, and I can't wait to see yeah. what's next with it because it's as they've described it, it's an event. It is not mm-hmm. a series, which kind of bums me out because mm-hmm. then it's going to be like WandaVision. WandaVision was an mm-hmm. event. Falcon and the Winter mm-hmm. Soldier was an event. We haven't gotten season two listed for that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Loki, yeah. for some reason, is getting a series season two. Okay, yeah. fine. I, I have it. to I have to think, like, okay, well, WandaVision, they're doing stuff with her in the movie, sure. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I still think they should do a season two where Buffy is more of a focus, but topic for another time. But doing a movie with him, uh, a Captain America movie with him, fine. Loki, I guess, no more movie plans right now, so season two. Um, Hawkeye, you know, who, who knows? I, Whatever. I don't know. I don't know about Hawkeye, but... Um, here, I have to think that there probably wouldn't be movie plans for him. I mean, who knows? But I have to think they're labeling it as an event series because it's a risky show and they just don't want to commit yet. 
to a second season. They want to see how it does because it is very different. It's very different in concept, and I'm happy to see that in execution it appears to be pretty different too. So I have to think that that wording, I hope that that wording is just them playing it safe for now. If it does really well, they'll do more. Right. And I would say with the, you know, with this kind of series, again, it's so bizarre and so strange. And this is this is going to be a lot of people's first exposure to the character. And right off the yeah. bat, you're getting the craziness and schizophrenic yeah. nature of Mooney. And I'm They're jumping right in. I'm worried about one thing, and that is the MCU Twitter Tumblr world where, mm-hmm. hey, you know, it'd be really cool if we saw Moon Knight team up with Deadpool. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. Stop that. Well, to your point, Peter, about being introduced to the character, I think it's good that I think it was in the second trailer where, or one type of preview that told you in lettering, whatever that six episode event or whatever the wording was. So people knew how much they would have to, you know, invest yeah. of their time to see if they would mm-hmm. like this character or not. And, you know, that's that's a good idea. Let's see how much we can get done in this time frame. But I'm just saying get, like, you, the get concept, you to like this one. I'm just saying the concept of saying event. That number of episodes yeah, well, doesn't mean anything to me, but just when you, events. But this, but this had a had a preview event too, yeah. I think, right? So yeah. so like a major movie, let's say what Monday do. would have been instead of on the Wednesday that it dropped. I thought everybody. it came out last week. So maybe this thing last week. Okay. So yeah. there was a kind of they, they really hyped it up for that too. So yeah, it's an event. Because it's only a certain amount yeah. of time that it's available. The way Eddie just talked with his hands just now and like shrugged his shoulders, that was that was an event for me. That was my <laughs> WrestleMania this weekend. Putting more oomph into it, if you will. Or if you won't. But I'm just uh sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I'm I'm so like still surprised and kind of haven't like come to terms with the reality of it yet that they let this show happen. It's the first it's the first Marvel like Disney Plus show. Um about uh, like entirely about a new character like not saying the other shows didn't introduce new characters but this is the first one that's like entirely bringing a new character into the mcu it has no ties to other characters even the next two new character shows coming miss marvel and she hulk have or she hulk have heavy ties to other characters and moon knight is just so different and they're not at least right now trying to shoehorn him anywhere else they're not trying to use him at least it seems to further the story of the mcu they're just like hey here's a mostly standalone brand new character and it's a weird one and we're not even going to easy into it we're just going to drop you right in i'm i'm surprised they let the show happen but i'm obviously very happy about it i think though it's not going to be out of you know, people are not going to be upset that they do connect it, tie it into, and bring another character in by the time it's over. And then, of course, what I was thinking of earlier was if you get a mid-credit or an end-credit scene in one of these episodes, mm-hmm. or, more, or more than one, or if not, at the very end of the of the run of this six-episode event. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's also, again, seeing Moon Knight get into the mainstream pop culture, you know, subconscious— I was in yeah. uh, New York City over the weekend, and I'm walking through, and I'm seeing, you know, the electronic billboards near uh, Penn Station, and there's a Moon Knight billboard, and it was like at yeah. that moment, I'm just like, holy shit, it's yeah. real! Like this is one of those like, yeah, and I don't want, I don't mean to say this as like a you know derogative kind of thing, but it's like the normies are gonna know what this is, and it's so <laughs> yeah. it's so weird. Like, yeah, you're gonna hear like. Think about it like, you know, 10 years ago, if you told somebody, hey, The Simpsons is going to have a couch gag with Thanos, they'd say, wait, The Simpsons is still on? And then they'd say, wait, Thanos? But it's it's very, it's cool to see. And like, yeah, what's it called? Uh, you know, shout out to the boys at Moon Knight Corps. But yeah. they, you know, the Dracula meme has yeah. entered, like is going to possibly enter pop culture. Like they acknowledged it, by the way, with that Q&A I saw. And I'm like, holy yeah, shit. And, you know, like even we can kind of say it like, you know, in a bit of an, you know, we weren't recording, but like they mentioned during our interview with Jed McKay, where it's like they knew about the Dracula meme. And it's like, yeah, oh, my God. And I partially think that's why the Jed McKay run starts with him fighting vampires. It was like a little subtle nod to the community. And it's like, why did you start with uh, Dracula's? Yeah. Yeah. The, the McKay run, which I love, by the way, it's fantastic. Every single issue is is really, really good uh, in a way that I've seen, I think, few comic series do. Um, 
it balances that level of kind of self-referential humor really well, I think. I mean, obviously, I, I love Moon Knight Court. I love the memes about it. That is a projected thing onto the character that doesn't exist really for the most part with, within the series. And they managed to, I think, bring that in just a little bit with the McKay run really well. Uh, it never feels kind of like forced or cringe, but I love him making comments about cutting people's faces off and stuff as a joke. It's, it's a lot of fun. I like how they've been doing that. And they even they make they manage to find a way to make Moon Knight a different kind of character, but just like Moon Knight's, you know, uh, multi personality. That's somehow a part of his personality now. This memed version, and you know, that's yeah. a completely new version of the character. You know, where he's charging yeah. Spider Man for uh, handshakes, and you know, yeah. I, I don't blame him. But just the idea of all of this—it's again so cool to see. And again, yeah. give uh, the, give them a follow on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I believe on Twitter they're at Moon Knight Core, so C O R E, and just it's some fun stuff. And oh, yeah. we're we're hoping to get the uh, two of the guys that are on there for one of these episodes of oh that'd be cool. This Moon Knight podcast, which may or may not have totally different names of every episode, which I'm really excited for. But I digress. Uh, it's relevant yeah. right now. Most minor spoilers for future episodes, Eddie. It's okay. It's a tease. It's like to bring you back. Exactly. Just when I thought I was out. And I'll be back in. Exactly. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this episode of A Boy Named Khonshu, a Moon Knight podcast. We want to say thank you to Taylor Sten, Stenhouse, Steakhouse. Uh, what, what other names have you had, Steaky? <laughs> uh, Steakhouse, Stanhouse, I don't know, tons. Again, thank you, and be sure to check yeah. out the KinoCast on uh, YouTube as well as just join... The Kinoplex to Robert's Reprieve, join it and then you know join the backup group as well because it probably may yeah. get zucked again. You know you never know. Yeah. There might be a little and bit of madness. And wrestling spinoff, of course. Yes, the vertical Kinoplex, which I'm really happy I was able to make, and you didn't get mad at me for using that. So thank you. No, that's great. I love it. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. It was uh, so much fun to talk with you guys about Moon Knight. I yeah, love it. It was great to get some other perspective on it too. It's and and a fan can tell right through the phone. Absolutely. Um, but on a, <laughs> on, on and on a serious note, but I really think mentioning it is is important it's relevant in the uh, in the credits that kudos to the producers for recognizing nami which is spelled n-a-m-i the uh, national alliance on mental illness that is something yeah. that is a real in our time whether you know it as something you've heard of or it's at arm's length it doesn't directly affect you but it is something that's out there and that we're you know more aware of and and finding ways to cope and deal and so on especially in these trying times of you know the covid increase landscape. in it's... that yep it hasn't helped, obviously, you know, just getting off that soapbox for a second. But, you know, that's, mm. that's the real world. So it is definitely appreciated that they did that. It's uh, just yeah, you know, paying absolutely. respect, if nothing else, and not uh, not uh, putting it down or anything like that. Because they probably had people also experts on set saying, hey, can we talk, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? And Sure. And they've even, you know what, even let's jump back about 30, almost 30 years, I guess, a little more than that, to, uh, I guess, when they did the movie Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman's mm. character and to do... Everything that was done there. Like to, saying Kmart sucks because to, it does. To be accurate and Wapner at four and everything like that. Yeah, definitely, I, definitely. Definitely Wapner. So, yeah, credit, credit and kudos to that, too. For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Taylor Stenhouse. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Cheers.